Hello, everyone. You got a pose in the Matrix, and today is what is it? It's the first of March, twenty twenty-one, and we're getting a little bit of a late start. Yeah. When we're recording it and uploading it later, I guess there is no late start, huh? Um, I want to thank everybody that's been writing into us and letting us know how much they enjoy the radio show or now the video show. Uh, we love doing it. It's one of our passions. I can't think of a better person to do it with than Brian. He's he's like, it was like he was born to do this, you know? <laughs> wow, thanks, Dave. Well, you're leading the way, so you're doing great. Well, great I don't know. I, it's like it's like me and um, it's like we're, we're Moses and Aaron leading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, not trying to say audience that you're you're the Israelites by any means, but um, uh, tonight we're going to talk about a couple of different subjects. And I know I've talked about the retroactive prayer before, but I wanted to get Brian's take on it and and uh, and things like that. So uh, we'll go into that. And I found mm-hmm. actually found a study that talks about it. Believe it or not. Um, I want to start out first by saying that we are we are not Roman Catholics, so we're not praying for the dead. We're not Mormons. We're not praying to bring people into the kingdom to, after they die. We're just a couple of uh, believers in Yeshua who um, want to explore different subjects and possibilities that might be going on. And uh, this is not a thus saith the Lord. This is a, just a speculation. But it's one that's piqued my interest, and um, and when after I mentioned it to Brian, I think it piqued his interest last week, and um, so then we'll, then we're going to go into um, is the Bible the uh, that we hold in our hands actually the Book of Life that's going to be opened up um, at the end of days uh, that hopefully all of your names are written in. I know Brian's and mine are as are our wives and kids and everything else, but um, hopefully uh, yours is there too. Because I can't think of a better thing than to have our audience up there. Uh, the opposing the matrix uh, floor of the, uh, or I should say maybe the opposing the matrix wing of uh, uh, the New Jerusalem, the uh, the mansion that Yeshua is building for all of us. That'd be kind of awesome, I think, really. But uh, I want to thank the people that have been writing and, and telling us how much they've enjoyed the show. I, I know there's been a few detractors that have written in and. And wanted to express their opinions, and everybody's allowed to do that. You can express your opinion, but don't expect uh, me to be silent uh, when it comes to answering. Um, I, I've gotten uh, a couple where I've, I've had to mildly rebuke, um, but uh, for the most part, we have a wonderful audience. And my goodness, Rumble, we love Rumble. Uh <laughs> We had YouTube. We had a very uh, limited audience, and I, from the minute we started on Rumble, I mean, it's been going exponential. I was telling Brian, I've, I've got an Apple Watch. I don't know if you could see it there, but um, yeah. it's connected to my phone. And when I get a message from Rumble that telling me uh, that somebody else has started to follow, it's it, it buzzes my arm. And I said that I have to start taking it off on my days off when I take a nap because it keeps me awake. <laughs> so many people are starting to like the show. So I just want to thank all of you um, and also everybody that listens uh, audio-wise, too, by uh, either Spreaker or Podbean or Apple or, or um, oh, the one, the satellite one. I can't remember it right now. Oh, iHeartRadio. That's it. And the myriad of other uh, 
things that are out there that are, are carrying the show because a lot of a lot of formats are carrying the the, uh, the audio version of the show. So um, I've started putting stuff on. Um, oh, ah, there's another one. Just trust me, <laughs> uh, where I'm putting the the, um, the audios and I have my web page closed so I can't look. But anyway, let's get started because uh, you could I could ramble all night. I think most of you know that. Um, <laughs> Brian laughs. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> my tongue's bleeding, but it's okay. <laughs> so my my question is, and um, and really it is a question, um, backed up with some evidence. Um, scenario: uh, you're you're sitting there praying one day, and you realize that you never really got to witness to Uncle Johnny. Okay, um, you might have sent him a letter telling him about the Lord because maybe he didn't want to speak about it. And I, I like letters because people have to read them, and uh, uh, they may crumble them up and or burn them afterwards, but they have to read them. But um, you know, you didn't get a chance to personally speak to Uncle Johnny or whatever his name is. You you put the name in there and tell him about your um, your faith and uh, why he needs uh, Yeshua in his life and how you'd like to see him in heaven. Um, so what you do when you're when well, what I've done a number of times is I said you know Lord I've never never got to witness Uncle John you know I I uh, and I feel bad about that because I feel like I, I wasn't um, doing the Great Commission like you told us to do and and um, so you know I'm asking you to reach back in time you know to when he was well and before he was sick or maybe even on his deathbed who knows but and that you just lead somebody into his life to witness to him before he dies. And that way he can never say he never got a chance. And um, and that way I, I can feel that maybe you will honor my prayer and um, and you'll have somebody talk to him. I'm not praying for the dead. I'm not praying for him to come for him to leave purgatory. You know, I have to hear about purgatory or one more time. And uh, I, there's another one I can't remember that um, the Vatican condones. But um and I'm not trying to pray dead people into the kingdom. But anyway, um, so we've had a, a week to ruminate on it. And before we go into the study, I, you know, I wanted to see, you know, maybe Brian would, you know, do you think it's a possibility? Do you think that, oh, well, we'll just turn it over to you. Well, man, thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Anything well, a possibility. I'll tell you about the part where I was going to throw you under the bus. Yeah, I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that greyhound's heavy. Um, <laughs> anything's possible with the Lord. Anything. You know, it even says if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to be moved into the ocean. Jesus mentioned that. So, yeah, anything's possible with God because we talked about last week. He's beyond time. He's, he's, he, he, He's beyond our literal where we live, all the dimensions. He's above all of that. He created that so he could tweak anything he wants. So, yeah, it definitely can happen. Is it in the scriptures? I I don't see it in the Bible, like like a scripture actually says it. I don't either. But see that the concept, uh, what we talked about earlier before the show, Dave, um, could happen. You know, God is, you know, he's the God of yesterday, today. And tomorrow, and I think when it when it talks about verses in Scripture that God is the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, it talks about that revelation that He literally is. 
He's mm-hmm. he can go back in time. He can go forward in time. He can be in the present time. So yeah, I I I think it, it's possible to happen. You pray for. You mentioned uh, we talked earlier about praying for somebody who's sick, maybe five or six years ago, and or maybe either died or just got really sick and it just changed their life. And praying back five years ago for John, you said mentioned earlier or somebody like that. Don't, uh, Lord, he's alive still. Don't let that sickness do anything to him. You know, take the fever away, do this, this, and this. God can definitely go back and do those things. Um, I didn't really think about this subject too much until you brought it up last week, Dave. I never, I never thought of that, you know. Oh, boy, are you in for a ride? <laughs> no. So retroactive prayer. Yeah, and um, there's a possibility uh, can you bring back, we also talked about if somebody dies and doesn't know the Lord, can you do retroactive prayer so that they get saved? And, I mean, I, I don't know what you found, but I looked in the scriptures and it basically, um, and I have them in front of me, if, not, not sickness, not somebody who's alive and sick, but somebody who's died and gone to hell, as far as I can tell, there's no second chance. Right. Once I agree. This is their time to be saved is right now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we're commanded actually to pay. It actually talks about the scripture. I'm looking on my phone right now, folks. So give me, um, in Romans chapter two, verses three through nine, it says, pray for those who are alive. Pray for those who are alive already, that they get saved, that your relatives, your family members, uh, whoever it may be, a good friend. Um, in a good passage, which I looked up uh, the other day, it's really good. Luke, uh, Luke 16, 22, the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, the rich man was alive. He was on the earth. He had all his wealth. The poor man begged at his tables and ate the crumbs from his tables. That even the dogs would eat, it says. And they both died. And a lot of you who are listening or watching know the story that he was, uh, they were both uh, put, one was put into paradise and one was put into Sheol, which means underworld or hell. And this is interesting because um, back then, before the resurrection of our Lord, when people died, they went to paradise, which uh, is there's other scriptures to back this up. Even Jesus himself, I go down into the belly of the earth. And he did. And so the belly of the earth is inside our planet. Somewhere below our feet is that underworld. But when Jesus rose from the grave, that uh, he took all the captives that were down there, not captives, but all the saints that were in paradise, he took them up into heaven with him, up at where his throne is, up there. So he mm-hmm. emptied out all the Christians out of paradise. And I, he probably made uh, did that for some room for <laughs> people that aren't going to go to paradise. Maybe did some remodeling. I don't know. But that's what that's what happened. The scripture talks about Jesus doing that. So, so the rich man and Lazarus were down there. And the rich man is alive. Then all of a sudden he opens his eyes and he's in torment, it says, in a flame and agony. And he sees the poor man in Abraham's bosom or is holding him. And he asks. He doesn't talk. It's funny in this passage. He doesn't talk to the to the poor man. He still got pride. And he talks to Abraham and he says, Abraham, touch your finger in water and touch the tip of my tongue for I'm agony in this flame. And this is interesting. It says, 
Abraham says, I, you can't come to me and I can't go to you because the distance between us is too great. And he says, send somebody back from the dead to tell people, my family, my friends about this place. He says, they have Moses and the prophets. They're not going to believe. They don't believe them. They're not going to believe somebody raised from the dead. Right. And so I say all this is once you die, that's it. And, mm-hmm. and that's it. And so I believe retroactive prayer probably can work for somebody who's sick or, or this is my opinion in the past, you know, you might be able to pray for that person in the past, but far as somebody who has died and either gone to heaven or gone, well, gone to heaven, you're not going to pray him back. I don't pray me back, Dave. If I ever died before you do not pray me back. Okay. Don't worry. I got you covered. Cause yeah. I will be upset when I come back. <laughs> Samuel was upset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. I'm on my vacation. Leave me alone when I'm on my vacation. So, but, um, so they, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. When you die, your time of salvation is now. Can you pray for somebody in the past once they've died to be saved? And far as I can see in the scriptures, you, you that doesn't work. It can't work because. It says, and this all goes into predestination and eternal security. Um, right. Kind of leads into that. I don't want to get into all of it because that's a huge subject, and I know there's different views on it. But basically, when we're saved, and like Dave and I are saved, our names were written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we're going to talk about this in heaven. So, um, God's not once your name is written down in there, and you've been, and it says you've pre, been predestined and to be saved before you were even born. Psalms talks about that. And right. you're also predestined to live so many days and to live a righteous life as a believer. It mm-hmm. says you're predestined to do those things. So you were picked before you were born, you were picked to be saved, picked to go to heaven and picked to live a certain life on this planet. Right. And not all of us live according up to according to what that life is. I mean, we, every day we, we trip and fall, but we get back up. Mm-hmm. So as far as praying for the dead and asking them to come back, then God's plan of salvation, who he already chose, is kind of making that null and void because God's right. already chosen us to go to heaven. And he doesn't make mistakes. The Lord doesn't make a mistake when he saves somebody. And if somebody goes, dies and go to hell, then that and, he, and then we pray for him to come back, which I wish we could do that. I do, but I don't, we can't, but I wish we could. I have relatives there I love very much, and they're not, I believe they're there. And so but that means God made a mistake when they went to heaven, the hell the first time. Right. And that's just not yeah. going to work. Now, as far as praying for somebody who's sick, like we talked about earlier in the past, I've never personally have done that to see the results of that. That I can see happening. God is a God of, 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 like I said, he's a God of the past, the present, and the future. So, And that doesn't mean, when I say that, folks, it doesn't mean God's of the past, and the past is past, and it's old stuff. Remember, there's nothing old and nothing outdated to God. There's nothing. Everything is mm-hmm. new every day. And that's what's so cool about being a believer, is when you're walking in the Spirit, and really listening to the Lord every day is brand new. 
Right. Every time you scriptures, you see something else that pops out that you've read 50 times before. Because God on that day says, I have something new for you. But I've read this before, God. I've read it 100 times. Just read it. And wow. Because God's a God of new things, new beginnings. And uh, he even speaks about that in Revelation 21 and 22, the new heavens and new earth. Mm-hmm. So um, can you pray for somebody in the past? I've never done it. And then you find out later on that what was really bad now is not going to happen. I'm not saying it can't, but I'm not saying it, it, it can't happen or can't happen. I believe it's anything's possible with the Lord, anything. And I know people, uh, of people that in the spirit were taken to other places in the world, but they were in their home and mm-hmm. they saw other places in the world come to find out those things actually happen. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean, Dave? So yeah, like, yeah. Um, I can't remember the movie is called staring at goats or something. It was a program that the, the military did about, you know, hypnotizing a goat by just staring at them or using your brain and your mind uh, to transport yourself to another place. I can't remember. There's a name for it. If you can help me out. Um, oh, yeah. Um, well, a lot of people call it transmigration of the soul, but um, besides uh, that, remote one, viewing. Um, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I just can't remember the name either. Yeah. Well, because when we're talking about going in the past and praying, also uh, God can take you to now God can take you to the future. And that mm-hmm. is scripture because John on the island of Patmos, and I brought this up maybe last week or a few weeks ago, he was about 80, 85 years old, exiled to this little island of rock out in the middle of the Mediterranean. And on the Lord's Day, which was Saturday because it's Sabbath, God took him up and says, I'll bring you up here. I'm going to show you the things that must shortly take place. Mm-hmm. So in the, uh, Revelation chapter 4, that's the scene of the, of the throne. And in chapter 5 is when the Lord Jesus comes out and the lamb is going to be slain. I think I got that right. Yeah. And so John's in the future. Mm-hmm. John's in a crowd of believers in a church gathering in front of the throne of God. And he's in our future. So if God can do that, then I think he can do he can take somebody's prayer and maybe, maybe um, help a person five, ten years ago. I had a brother mm-hmm. that answered uh, looking back if I had prayed, you know, would it, if it helped to do that. The retroactive prayer. You know, um, it's just hard to say. We don't know. Only God knows these things for sure. Well, we're only going to find out when we get to heaven anyway. So. Yeah. yeah, and we're yeah. speculating, folks. We're just speculating here. I'm a believer in the Lord. I, I uh, The death, burial, resurrection, I believe that's how you get to heaven. And that's the main thing. That's mm-hmm. always the main thing. And that Dave believes the same thing. So right. we're just kind of uh, just throwing stuff out there, just using our imagination, our little boy imagination, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. little kids. And so, but at the same time, it's, it's, some of the stuff's nice to know because I looked in the scriptures about retroactive prayer. I didn't find it in the scriptures, but I can see where when Dave mentioned tonight, it was really good, Dave, you said before about some of these things you're going to go into about what happened with some people. But just remember, folks, it's, it's now that God is concerned with. It's today that the Lord is concerned with. Right. 
Yeah, for for us, tomorrow is gone. We can't go back. God can go back. Mm-hmm. And God can go in the future, but we're kind of stuck. We're stuck, like, right now for the next hour and a half, two hours, we're on the show. But God isn't stuck. But what he wants is us to take the day that we have today. Today is the day of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. I just got a couple of scriptures, Dave. It's okay. Sure. Yeah, of course. There is. Um, okay, the rich man and Lazarus. Um, excuse me, folks, while I look at my notes here on my phone. Uh, let's see. Uh, so I got to go this way. So, uh, well, actually, what it gets into, I don't want to get too deep into it. But today we're alive. And far as I can see in Scripture, because this whole thing about retroactive prayer led me down a rabbit trail, Dave, of, of, of eternal security and predestination. Uh-huh. Because it, I looked up about if somebody dies, they go to hell, can you pray them to come back and God save them? I couldn't find that in Scripture. But one of the things that I found is you pray for the living now. Right. You pray for the living um, and it says uh, in Ephesians 1, um, see, Ephesians 1, uh, verse 5 and verse 11, we've been predestined by the Lord to walk in him. And the word predestined means pre-planned. And I'm not a good pre-planner. Uh, you know, you get, you know, for your day to get started, you get a list, you get everything going, you pre-plan. God is the ultimate OCD pre-planner. I mean, talk about OC. He's got everything down, just right down to the microsecond of your life, what he wants you to do, and it's pre-planned. Do we always walk in that plan? No, <laughs> we don't. Uh-huh. Because of sin, the world, the flesh, the devil, and kids, you know? And so, <laughs> that's a joke, folks. <laughs> so, Sometimes I raised three dollars. I have a son now, so I love kids, but they can be taxing on you, so especially uh-huh. with COVID. <laughs> So, and this whole thing with predestination, if you've been by the Lord, if you've been predestined to know the Lord, been predestined to walk with the Lord, then he chose you to do that before you were born. So if mm-hmm. he's done all that, he did it all. Right. Then you are secure in your salvation. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say this is years and years and years ago, I've been saved for 46, 47 years, something like that. But 25, 30 years ago, even though I grew up in a, a Baptist church, I doubted my salvation a little bit. I was one, always wondering, am I, am I not? And then I talked to some people about a good friend, actually my brother, and I already knew the scriptures, but he just reinforced what I already knew. And when I realized, and I already knew this, but you got to get it from here into your heart, the knowledge of God. I realized, oh, wow. Then, okay, I'm saying, I'm not going to, I go, I said to the Lord, it's on you if I die and go to hell. I believe what your word says about eternal security. And that whole weight lifted off of me. And I realized, okay. And that's when I got filled with the spirit for the first time around that same time. That's when I started mm-hmm. That's when I started having visions and dreams and seeing all these things. 
that's when it started happening because like the 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 barrier between me and the Lord, my barrier was taken away. And so know that you're saved because we're living in a time, folks, where there's a lot of fear. COVID, not even COVID, not even a fear anymore. Um, our new president and when the things he's passing, I talked to Dave, well, Dave's already talked about this, but the things are passing in, in, in Congress right now is going to affect the churches uh, with the Equality Act. It's going to totally change everything. And so God commands us not to be afraid in these last days, to be sober-minded, sober in spirit. But if you're doubting who you are, you can't be sober-minded, sober in spirit, because you're walking in fear that the Lord's going to be displeased with you if you do something wrong. Right. He's not displeased with us because he died for us. He gave his son for us. And remember, Jesus went willingly, but the father gave him up to us. Mm -hmm. That right there blows your mind. And so everything according to what we have as a believer is held in God's hand. He promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. He promised to be our guard. He's promised to keep us, bless us and keep us safe. Uh, even in the midst of not being maybe in war, he could keep you safe. And maybe not. Maybe if you die, because maybe it's your time to go. You know, mm-hmm. with God, even death with God, with us, is not a punishment. It's a blessing for right. us. Because we get to go to heaven. So even in death, it's a blessing. So mm-hmm. I say this, folks, out there in First John 5, 11 through 13, it says, uh, maybe I should just read it. Hold a second here, guys. Sorry. First uh, John 5, 11. I just look it up. It's a lot easier. I have my notes, but it's faster for me to look it up. Come on, iPhone. It's a little slow. It's kind of like me. Um, right, there it goes, First John. There it is, First John, right on the map. Uh, First John 5, 11. This was written because believers were doubting who they are in the Lord. That's why this was written. And the testimony is this, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Mm-hmm. So if you've asked Jesus in your heart, you have God's life in you. If you have God's life in you, you, do, you shouldn't be afraid of anything. Right. And you won't lose your salvation because you didn't earn it. And there's I know people that believe that, and I get it. I get it. But I don't think God writes your name down in the book of life, which we're going to talk about, and then erases it the next mm-hmm. day. Because mm-hmm. they need to be racing and writing, racing and writing, racing and writing. I can see the angel, Michael, getting really irritated. Can't this guy make up his mind? Is he saved? Is he not saved? So, <laughs> you know, and and I say all this because have take heart, America. God is in control of our country. And if you're a believer... God is in control of your life. Whether you feel like your life is completely out of control, it's not out of his control. Mm-hmm. You can go to him, and if you don't, even if you haven't been living for him, you can go to him right now and ask him to help you. And you say, I don't know how to pray. Well, if you're talking, if you can talk to your friends, you can talk to your wife or your girlfriend, or your neighbor, you can talk to God. It's the same way. Mm-hmm. You just have a conversation. And I take this all back to the retroactive prayer. We have the Holy Spirit in us. 
If God puts on your heart to pray for somebody in the past, then do it. If it's really what God you want to do, do it. If it, and you don't know the changes that prayer does. And let's say praying for the present, babe, just present, present for people. Mm-hmm. That are living right now. Yeah. How many of us have prayed for relatives to be saved? And you're thinking in your mind, God, if God saves him, that's a miracle. And yeah. you come to find out they got saved. And yeah. you come to find out it's because everybody's been praying for them, or a grandma's praying for, you know, a grandson, or a mom's praying for a daughter. But they do it in the quiet place, in the secret place, in their bedroom, in their car, or whatever they are. And you're thinking, is God even hearing me? Yeah, he hears us. He totally hears us. And I believe our prayers go up to heaven like lightning, and they get his attention. And he's attentive to our prayer. It says, Psalm 34, he's attentive to the cry of the righteous, and he delivers them out of all their trouble. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. Psalm 34 says. And so attentive means he's listening. You know, God's a right. good listener. And yeah, so, he is. And so this, this a retroactive prayer, maybe we're talking about tonight, Dave, because some people need to pray for some relatives tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that are still alive that right. may, they're really sick right now because they got something five years ago but if you go back five years you nip it in the bud as they say maybe mm-hmm. they'll start getting better now yeah. and, mm-hmm. and go along with this sorry I'm so long winded I had a no, that's okay that's okay but um, there's generational prayer and I believe that's scriptural because it talks mm-hmm. in the Old Testament in many places in Leviticus and different places of, of generational curses, and even the Lord, uh, um, this generation is, does not know how to serve me. I'm paraphrasing here. This generation is wicked, and for the next few generations, because of this generation, will be cursed for this many years. I'm talking about Israel. That was an Exodus, yeah. Yeah, Exodus, that's right. And so generational prayer is definitely real. Alcoholism right now and drug abuse and mental illness is skyrocketing. It's just everywhere. Uh, and so some of these things, yeah, it need to be dealt with head on, and that's demonically. Mm-hmm. And that means you pray against where did it start? Did it start with the grandfather, the great-grandfather, wherever it started? You pray a generation and, and stop it now and maybe pray back then. And, and, or pray for the person that uh, is struggling with it right now. And you pray against a generational spirit that is promoting this disease. Mm-hmm. And so, because folks, Ephesians 6 uh, verses 10 through 18 talk about a spiritual warfare and spiritual armor. And so that armor uh, is used in spiritual warfare like we're doing, talking about right now. So when you pray for somebody like that, make sure... You believe what you're, you believe that you're saved. First, know you're saved. Second of all, mm-hmm. um, know that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And when you quote it, it's gonna, it's not going to go out and come back void. When you when you pray it over some relative, and um, right now it's just a hard time for America. It's just really a hard time. And yeah, we need a different political system. But we what we really need, folks, is to turn our heart back to the Lord, to be, uh, and, and this unsaved people, um, they're God-fearing and they're good, 
But I'm talking to believers right now that know Jesus in their heart. Whatever you're doing that's not pleasing to him, stop it. Right. Pray against the things happening in your home, but you have to change first if you expect it to change in your home first. Mm-hmm. You have to, especially for the men out there or the or the wives out there that are single parents or men that are single parents. Anybody who's leading in the home needs to um, pray against these things. And by the way, leading in the home doesn't mean the man just tells the woman what to do. God took the rib out of Eve's side. Man and woman walk side by side together in life. Mm-hmm. Walk in life. Man is not over the woman. He's co-heirs with her in heaven and on the earth. They're right. a team. They're a team. So, but the retroactive prayer, and then I'm done, Dave, is something I, I'm going to try. I don't know how I'm going to see the result of it. I'm going to have to pray for somebody that I know that got sick a, a long time ago. But the main thing is to pray. Mm-hmm. The world is getting crazy, folks. It's getting weird. You know what it's getting? It's getting ready for Jesus to come back, folks. Yeah, that's right. Happening just like Matthew 24 and 25, exactly like Jesus said it would happen. Exactly mm-hmm. like the prophet Daniel said it was going to happen. And that's what's going on. It was Trump. Why wasn't? Why didn't Trump win? Well, maybe because God has to bring in his last day plan and Biden's part of that. I don't know. I don't know. I want Trump to run again in four years and win. But only God knows that that's going to happen. But all I'm mm-hmm. saying tonight is pray for your country, pray for your family, and pray for your loved ones that don't know the Lord. That's right. really important right now because um, if they die and they don't know the Lord, they're going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Like and Lazarus, they were separated. And so, uh, folks, just hang in there. And Dave, I'll get it back to you. Sorry, what's overtime? No, 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 you didn't. There's no such thing as overtime. Um, you know, I was thinking while you were talking, and um, we talked earlier about, you know, uh, physics a little bit about how um, Einstein had speculated that time was like a river. You know, yeah. that you start at one point and you kind of flow downstream and. Um, I, with the return of Jesus, I think is when it, it'll culminate with the river flowing into the ocean, um, so to speak. But um, <clears throat> I was thinking about the retroactive prayer. You know, we we cast our prayers up to the Lord, and cast means to throw. And and I got this mental picture, and basically it was. Um, uh, a river, you know, and you're standing at one point and you take a rock and you tie a note to it or whatever. This is just a very flimsy and loose example, okay? And depending on how good your arm is, you can throw it upstream. Okay, so, you know, that that um, that could be one way of looking at it. Um, another way, and, and I was looking before we got online, way before we got online, actually. <laughs> and um, I was looking back at um, Exodus 3, and that's where God uh, basically calls himself I am that I am. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've read a lot about it in the last few days. And um, the way to pronounce it in Hebrew is the Yah, Shariah, 
or somebody, some people would say hiya, share hiya. Um, and I don't know the English um, definition of that kind of talk, but I think Chuck Missler called it an imperf- imperfect perspective. And basically what, what God was saying there, he says, it's not just I am that I am, but it could be I am what I was, I am what I will be, I will be what I am, I will be what I was. I mean, it could go in all different directions. It's a mm-hmm. it's a three or four dimensional phrase, actually. Uh, it goes ahead in time to the present, to the past, and from the past to the present. And... Um, and I was thinking, wow, that's, that's kind of neat because it shows that he is um, inhabits a, an area that's outside of time and space. Even to call it an area, I don't know if that's proper <laughs> um, because area denotes um, three dimension, two or three dimensions or more. Um, and, and dimensions are only within the um, the linear time scale, the uh, the universe, and God lives outside of the universe and. Um, I watched a video by Chuck Missler one time, and boy, it hit me like a side of bricks inside the head. And um, he said that if, if you kind of look at God sitting outside of, of um, time and space, that the saints that died before the, the time of Yeshua, during the time of Yeshua, and all the way up till today, it's possible that they will that will all reach heaven at the same time. Okay, because because there's no time in heaven. Okay, we see people as dying in the pre-flood. You know, all the all the good people that died in the pre-flood. Uh, a lot of people died, but um, all the saints that that led up that that are mentioned in the Bible as being saints: um, um, David, uh, Abraham, and I'm sure there's myriad of others that had faith. They're just not mentioned in Scripture. Um, and then, like you said, Yeshua went and, and um, uh, freed them because uh, they've been waiting all this time for him. Because mm-hmm. really, nobody could could uh, none of them could go to heaven until they made the conscious choice of accepting him. And if they were meant to accept him, of course they were going to do it ahead of time. And of course they were in in uh, paradise because God knew that they were going to accept him. <laughs> Um, it's hard to hard to get your head around when you think when you try to think about being outside of linear time. It's mm-hmm. it's you could you could drive your literally drive yourself crazy trying to think about it. Um, but um, so and by the way, that was the first that that was a kind of like a mini rapture right there because um, yeah. all the people came out of their graves, you know. So that was kind of like a, a, fore, a foretaste of what the rapture was going to be like in the future. Um, but um, so, you know, so you had the saints that before the flood, you had the, the saints that led up to the time of Yeshua. Um, maybe the saint that died on the cross, you know, died just before Yeshua passed passed on, was killed. And... Um, and then you had all the saints that have died ever since, subsequently ever since then, that um, being that, you know, that there is no time or space, it's possible that we all enter there at the same time. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way to look at it, you know. So if um, you take the, the linear time out of, uh, of the process, because uh, when you're, you're talking about God, in all through Scripture, you know, you, 
you can see him acting within our linear time, and you can see him acting outside of linear time to affect our linear time. And I just, I'm in awe when I read stuff like that. You know, when, when you read scriptures, and I don't know if I saved that page. Um, no, I probably didn't, because I, I do dumb things. I I find something really interesting, and then I, I replace it with something else. But um, anyway, there, there, the Old Testament, especially the uh, the Tanakh, is um, is rife with instances where people um, were people worshipped him and and were preparing. Um, David talked about it. Um, Abraham, what does it say? And I think it's in Romans where Paul's talking, or it might be in Hebrews, where Paul's talking about Abraham. because He didn't look at this world. He looked forward to a city whose maker was God. Hebrews okay, 11. So, yeah. Hebrews 11? Yeah. That's what I love about you. You know the scriptures so well. Um, I, know, I know the scriptures. I just don't know the addresses sometimes. So. Um, That's what GPS is for, Dave. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, um, with bearing, you know, with that in mind, you know, it's like I said, it's a possibility. I, I wouldn't build a doctrine on it. I wouldn't uh, go around telling everybody to start doing it right away. But like you said, if the Lord leads you, um, puts it in your heart to do that, then uh, maybe it's a good thing to do. Um. And isn't it funny with, with generational things? Because I know, like with your family, um, one of your brothers got saved, and then the rest of you feel like dominoes, even your sisters, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, 100 uh, people. Uh, 100 people? A, a brother, uh, there's nine brothers and sisters, and my mom, and then they had girlfriends, and then uh-huh. their friends, and then their friends, and then their friends. And so on and so on. So I like the commercial. Yeah, we had. I don't want to take your time. We had a devotional time because we didn't know anything about the Bible. Uh We grew up Catholic, and we knew that the Catholic Church wasn't where we were going to learn. So my older brother started a Bible study, and basically they would read scriptures and go, "What do you think?" And then we would uh, worship uh, with a guitar, and it went from uh, just like uh, a couple of my brothers with their girlfriends. In about six months, I remember one night we had 110. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. It, was during the, it, was, it was during the Jesus movement, and we lived in a, I lived in a large uh, ranch-style house uh, mm-hmm. and on a ranch, and I remember being 12, 13, and there was, I counted them. I literally, we had an outdoor concert, uh, Christian concert, because there were so many people, and 110 people showed up. And oh, a normal, my goodness. A, a, wow. normal night, a normal night would be 70 to 80. So, and we're all just fans and friends and people who got saved out of the drugs and out of the hippie movement. Right. So, and, no, so it's neat. See, so your family was, in lack of better words, chosen, uh, called out, predestined, yeah. you know? Exactly. So, um, and I know that with my family too, you know, it's, um, everybody had a certain kind of belief in God, um, there were, you know, I think my grandmother was a Methodist, um, but very rarely went to church. My my mother went um, 
think she grew up Lutheran and she became an Episcopalian, and that's just a stone throws a stone's throw away from Catholicism. It's basically Catholicism without the Pope. Uh, as a matter of fact, in certain Catholic churches, if I were to go there today, I could take communion, which I would never do. Um, but um, anyway, so um, and on my father's side, you know, my my grandfather um, was kind of an oddity. He um, he was an Italian American, grew up Catholic, um, but one day decided that it wasn't for him. Um, he saw all the things that were wrong and 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 wanted to be part of something more pure. And um, he, uh, I think it had a lot to do with my grandmother too, because she was um, Lutheran. They, uh, she was of German and Czech uh, extraction. But um, so what I'm leading up to is that one day my my dad told me he said, you know, there's always been something special about our family, and and he recognized this, and it really kind of blessed me, and. And because my grandfather, you know, being an Italian American, being an honest Italian American in New Jersey, you know, and there, there, that's that's an oddity that really is. You know, he never stole. He always preached to us about doing what's right and not doing what's wrong, and everything else. And um, and I just found that amazing. And then uh, you know, my dad's older brother. Well, he became a Jehovah's Witness first, but I believe he got saved afterwards. Um, but uh, on my my dad's personal line, um, my dad never really cared that much for going to church or anything. He just wanted to live in existence. Uh, but mom did, and uh, so I got that foundation in the um, uh, the Episcopal Church. Uh, basically, I knew there was a God. I knew there was a Jesus. I knew there were you know, I knew of things, but I didn't know God. But anyway. Uh, time went on, you know, the, all the drugs and everything, just like your, you and your brothers and or your brothers anyway. Um, and I realized that was that wasn't the way to go. And um, I had a friend that was Portuguese, of all things. Um, and uh, he kept telling me about the Lord. He was born again and um, and I got saved. And not long after I got saved, my dad realized I didn't argue with him anymore, wanted to know why. And I told him, and it was uh, maybe a week, maybe two weeks later, he was down at the altar at the Assembly of God Church in town getting saved. Um, Not long after that, my mother, then my sister, uh, my grandmother. You know, so um, I I feel that there are families that are, are called out. Now, you know, you talk about praying for people for an extended period of time. Um, I had a cousin, Larry, <laughs> um, he, he's gone to heaven ever since, but, or, well, probably about 15 years ago now, but, um, and when I got saved, I, I walked up to him and I started talking to him about the Lord and he goes, don't you ever talk to me about that again. That's the last thing I want to hear. I will never, ever do that. You know, and and to me, that's like throwing a gauntlet before the Lord and saying, let's do battle. Um, so anyway, I started praying for him, and, and uh, he he just progressively got worse and worse. He was in prison. He he was a drug dealer as well as a drug addict. Um, and I prayed for him, and, and it was uh, close to 25 years later that I got a I, – I called him just – oh, actually – 
I called them because my dad had passed away and I was bringing the ashes back to New Jersey. And, um, and he told me I could have a place to stay. Well, you know, I talked with him a little bit about the Lord when I was there and he listened, which really surprised me. Well, I found out that his girlfriend that he was living with, um, was a born again Christian who had backslidden, but she was gradually coming back to faith. Uh, she had acquired AIDS. She had been attacked by some men and, in an alley or something, and um, knew that it was a death sentence. Back then it was, and uh, decided to come to faith and started t- sharing um, the Lord with Larry. Well, she was the only one that could reach Larry, you know, and maybe somebody in the future prayed that somebody would put him together with somebody. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was just the Lord's plan. But anyway, um, so, um, you know, we'll, I left New Jersey. I came back, and um, I, next time I called, well, Larry, you know, wants to is asking me a lot about God, and I've been giving him a lot of answers. You want to talk to him, so I talk with him. And next time I call, well, Larry's been leading, reading his Bible, and I'm like, Larry, Larry's reading the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Did it catch fire in his hands and burn up? <laughs> and, uh, um, so anyway, um, the next time it was like, well, you know, Larry is really really, really wants to go to church. He wants to start finding out more about God. And I went, okay, great. And, you know, so that caused me to pray even further. And then I remember one day and I called up and she said, she says, you're not going to believe this, but your cousin is saved. And I said, I've been praying for 25 years for him to get saved, you know, and it brought tears to my eyes. I started crying on the phone. She started crying and Larry wanted to know I was crying anyway. Um, not long after that, she passed away, and that was her mission in life, I believe, was to lead my cousin to the Lord. And when the Lord was done, he said, okay, I'm going to save you from all the pain that you're going to go through and stuff and bring you home. Well, anyway, um, after that, he moved down by his father, my Uncle Johnny, <laughs> down in Florida, and um, he... Uh, we, we talked a lot because he was born again and he wanted to talk about the Lord all the time. And, uh, so we did. And then, um, but he had a lot of health problems. 25 years of drug abuse takes its toll on a person's body. And, uh, and I'm talking about, you know, meth and cocaine and, you know, the hard hitters. And, um, so I got a call one day, you know, from my uncle, and I said, um, you know, what's going on? He was crying, and he goes, I just found Larry. He's dead. He was apparently had a heart attack or something. And um, he uh, – but I knew he was in heaven. And I knew that – I kind of knew those 25 years that it was going to happen, mm-hmm. and that's what spurred me on to prayer mm-hmm. and to keep praying because I could have given up. You know, it's easy to give up and say, oh, well, you <laughs> I pray for you for five years. You're on your own, pal, you know. And um, But I, I just felt that I loved Larry so much. He's like my a brother to me. And um, uh, so I know that I get to see him. And that was my Uncle John, who I sent a letter who I felt was unapproachable. And I know he read it. And um, and that's the person that I felt led to pray for, that he would take the letter, the letter that I wrote to him, take the words to heart, and get saved. And I firmly believe for some reason that he's in heaven right now. Um, because I, I think that a God honored that prayer and I, you know, I could be wrong, you know, I have a 50, 50 chance. Um, but 
at least you know I, I gave it a shot and um and i and i was kind of ashamed and maybe some people out there feel ashamed that they haven't witnessed to the to their relatives their loved ones about the lord maybe you're afraid um you're probably already known as a religious fanatic in your house or in your family uh people don't invite you over as often because they know that you're going to start talking about the lord Oh, that's all he does is talk about Jesus. Blah blah blah. You know, um, maybe maybe you're maybe you're Jewish and uh, you know you you got saved and your you know your family treats you like you're dead. You know that happens a lot. And uh, but you just got to keep praying because the Lord can break through. He can. It says that someday He's going to take the scales off the eyes of Israel, and there's some pretty thick scales on Israeli eyes. You know. Um, but, um, so I, I think that it's, it's possible. I, I, like you said, I, I don't find it in scripture anywhere. Um, but if God can go forward in time, I do believe he can go back. Um, we're told actually, you know, there, there is a scripture that kind of goes against this. We're, we're told that the plowman that looks back, um, something about he's not worthy of his hire or something. Um, but if you're going back, to save the one sheep while the other 99 are safe. I think it's, I think that's permissible. The Torah says that you could break almost any commandment. Actually, the Talmud says that you could break almost any commandment if it's to save a life. I think the Torah says it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I don't see any problem with doing it. Um, just as long as the person's not dead already. Um, or, you know, I'm, I'm I don't know. Maybe, maybe I feel that um, if the person, if if I feel like I've been called out um, from the foundation of the earth, before the foundation of the earth, that a lot of people in my family are too. So that's why I felt led to pray for it. And it might have been that little nudge that pushed him over the edge to to accept the Lord too. So I don't know. Um, it's all speculation and and perception and. Um, but um, anyway, we better get on to the other subject. <laughs> um, Ryan, the reason I, I brought up about the um, the uh, the Bible being the possibly being the book of life um, is um, well, I've thought about it for a long time. But I I had a very unusual experience one day at work, and um. We just got three new people, by the way, just the time we're talking that have been follow, following the show now. So um, I hope this doesn't drive them away. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome yeah. aboard. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was sitting at work, and, and I didn't have the easiest work situation down in Sacramento. I was the only um, white Anglo-Saxon. Well, I was an, I'm not Anglo-Saxon, but the only... <laughs> Um, white, born, naturally born American that was working there, and, and I was really persecuted. Um, I wasn't persecuted for, for being Jewish, which really surprised me, um, because I worked with Muslims, and they they were more friendly with me than all the rest of the other people that were there. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, I was sitting in a break room by myself, which I I always like because I can reflect on things, and I don't get distracted. And um, and in the corner of the room where the microwave and sink were, I I, I saw a vision actually, and and it was a 
a book that was kind of hanging in midair and it had kind of a cloud around it. And, um, and so I, I, I was kind of scared at first, but then I, I went up and I approached it. And when I approached it, I realized it was a Bible. And the weirdest thing about it was it was like a fifth or sixth dimensional Bible. And I could, I could turn a page, and when I would turn the page, I could kind of see that the letters in the page just weren't on the surface of the page, that they went down infinitesimally. And when I turned the page over and I looked at it the other way, the letters went down infinitesimally, like I was looking into infinity almost on each page. And I was like, wow, you know, there's that means to me that this word that I'm holding in my hand, this book, is is something that is not only living, but it is it's um, it's, it's something even more, more special than living, uh, the living word of God. And um, and so I I proposed the question to several people, you know, do you think that it could be the book of life? And um, I seem to get the impression I'm not going to say that God talked into my ear. You know, I didn't hear an audible voice in the room. But I, I heard this is the book of life. And I got to thinking, well, you know, if, if every page you can see down almost to infinity, that means that there's a lot of letters down there. And the letters are all Hebrew, so I couldn't read it, uh, which is good because, you know, I didn't want to know any of the names that were in there because um, I might be I might lament that I might not see a name in there, you know. But um, anyway, so I, I kind of looked into it and. um in Scripture, there are two books of life. There's one in, in the Old Testament because David asked that uh, or asked for God to blot people's names out of it. Um, and, you know, we know you and I know that uh, if we're called from the foundation of the earth, which we are, um, that we cannot be blotted out of it because once we're saved, we're saved for our whole life and for eternity, actually. Um, but. Um, and I, I, so I started thinking, why would David think that a name could be blotted out? Well, maybe that was a perception back then. Um, maybe, you know, I don't know if you've ever had anger so bad that, you know, you you just hope. Well, I shouldn't say this, but I, a couple of times, you know, runs through your head. Everybody has thoughts that run through their heads, you know, and then you dismiss them and everything else. But it's like, you know, that person's so wicked. I hope they're not in heaven. You know, um, and and so anyway, um, maybe that's the the frame um, mind frame mind or um, mindfulness. Let's put it that way. That David had at the time that he was so angry at the person that he didn't want to see them in heaven. You know, I got to live with them for 40, 50, 60, 70 years on earth. Please don't let them be in heaven. Well, I got a feeling that you you always got a really funny sense of humor. And that some of these people that we, we really don't get along with and, um, you know, we, we hope that we're on the other side of the New Jerusalem from them, that they're going to be our neighbors. You know, they're going to be next door neighbors and they'll be coming over all time. Anyway, um, a little poke at humor there. But anyway, um, so there was that one in the, in the Old Testament. And then there's the Lamb's Book of Life in the the Shah, the New Testament, um, where only believers are, are written in there. It's very clear. It's um, it says in a revelation and other places that uh, only um, those who believe in Yeshua are written in that book. 
And then I got to thinking, um, well, the Old Testament saints, um, is it the same book? And it must be the same book because um, when they came to faith in Yeshua, when he was preaching in Sheol, um, because he, he was the one that they were looking for, you know, when they were alive, um, automatically got transferred into the book of life, you know, the Lamb's book of life, as far as I know. Um, so, um, I don't know. I just, I just got this inkling that the, um, the Bible that we hold on our hands has been around as long as it has. It's, there's been many attempts to destroy it to blot it out, to make it so that people don't have it. But it always seems to resurface. It always seems to, uh, somebody finds a lost comp, uh, copy of it or something, kind of like um, uh, the Scroll of the Law uh, back in, uh, I'm going to mess this up, one of the kings um, that that uh, brought back revival. Um, God saw that he was righteous, and all of a sudden, bam, they found the Torah in the mm-hmm. temple. And uh, it had been there all that time, but nobody knew it. And so, um, but with Scripture, it seems like even in places like Russia, what they would do is they would they would memorize a chapter or, or a half a chapter or something. Another person would memorize the other half of the chapter or another chapter so that if the book ever disappeared, they could always write it down and always have the Scriptures in, in their midst. So um, it's important enough for to God to have it so that men revere it that much. Um, I wonder if it's, if it's that important to him because it's actually the book that's going to be opened up on the last day when um, we have the, uh, the judgment of the saints. So I'm going to run that by and see what, uh, uh, and bring back the Greyhound, uh, you know, so try to avoid the wheels this time. <laughs> I gotta go, Dave. I hear the faucet running. I gotta. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, you've used that excuse before. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We sat down. Oh, okay. Um, well, there is a book of life in heaven. While you were talking, I was looking through scripture, and uh, and you you quoted it. It's Revelation chapter twenty, and I want to read it. Um. It's a few verses, so bear with me, okay, uh, sure. folks? Uh, then I saw verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. The books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, the earth and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged and every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So I wanted to start there because um, every most people, not all, but know of the book of life in heaven. So when you're a believer, and, we, and we've talked about this quite a bit, to be a believer in the Lord, you can't know the Lord Jesus in your brain. you got to know him from the brain. It has to be in the heart. 
Knowledge of the scriptures will not get you to heaven. And if you know a lot about the scriptures, but you don't actually know the Lord in your heart, you're not going to heaven. And so people who know the Lord in their heart, inside their innermost being where God dwells, Holy Spirit, then your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And this passage is talking about people who are not saved, who don't know the Lord. And the books that were open are the books of their deeds that they did during their time upon the earth. From the time, from probably the time of Adam until our future, whenever that the Lord comes back and sets everything right. So they are judged and determine their punishment in hell according to their deeds on these in these books uh, mm-hmm. that that documented all the things. So this is a good thing to know because. If you're a believer and you're at work and you're being persecuted, and I don't want anybody to go to hell, obviously, and Dave doesn't either. But just no, remember, no. you're obviously not. But if you're a believer and you're being persecuted, you're being persecuted because you're a believer. Jesus says, they hate me, they're going to hate you. And actually, when you get persecuted or being mistreated for doing what's right in the Lord's eye, you're being blessed. It's a blessing. If you're being falsely accused and say in your job, and it's false, and you're doing what the Lord showed you to do, and you're doing the right thing, no matter what the world says, God will honor you and bless you for taking the heat. Now, going back to Scripture, there's the book of life, and it says in the next chapter, uh, verse chapter 21, uh, let's see here. Sorry, folks. Um, it's almost faster with a written Bible. I met, you know, I um, so it's talking about the New Jerusalem and it's going to come out of heaven. The city it gives its dimensions. It's a square. It's fifteen hundred miles in every direction. It's the city where believers are going to live uh, eventually, and it's going to probably well. It says it's going to bring light to the earth. It's going to orbit the planet like a moon, but it's going to give light. And the seasons on the earth will be given from this New Jerusalem, not just the sun. And it talks, where is it at, Brian? Come on. Yeah, the very end, of course. And this is what it says about this city. It says, um, and I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, which is Jesus, are its temple. And the city has no need for the sun or of the moon to shine on it for the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the lamb which is Jesus the nations will walk by its light so the earth now it's talking about the earth below and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime for there will be no night there its gates will never be closed this is the new Jerusalem And they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abominations lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 12.11, in the middle of the tribulation, believers are getting persecuted by the millions. These are people that got saved, I believe, this is my opinion, after the rapture. And they got saved, relatives maybe, of some of us tonight who will be left behind. 
but they're being persecuted by by the Antichrist and by the system. And, and it says they overcame the accuser of the brethren. Who's the accuser of the brethren? It's Satan. Mm-hmm. Satan tonight is has access to heaven, but only to accuse us. But Jesus is our advocate, or in other words, he's our lawyer, our defense lawyer in heaven, says, nope. All those things he said is true about Brian, but let's see. Oh, it's all been paid for, Father, mm-hmm. by, the blood, by my blood. It's all washed clean. It's, it's, he's been acquitted. Well, that same accuser is going to uh, go after Christians on the earth, like with a vengeance through the Antichrist. But it says in Revelation 12, 11, I think it's 12, 11, says they overcame the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the lamb. What's the brother of them? They were saved. They overcame. How they overcame? Did they get, but they got killed. Well, they overcame because when you're an overcomer in the Lord, you're a believer. What do you overcome? Death, Hades, hell, and judgment. They're overcomers. Um, it says in the scripture, it says, uh, don't fear man, but fear God. For man can kill the body that God can destroy the body and the soul and send them both to hell. That's who you fear. But as a believer, we're saved. And when you get saved, your name is etched. And I believe it's a physical book, folks. I believe the book of life in heaven, and I'll get to the Bible we have here on earth, but I believe the Bible in heaven is a physical book and that someday we'll be able to go up and actually look up at our name in that book. Excuse me. And so your name is written in there, either by the Lord or by an angel, but it's written in there and it cannot be erased. You can't. I'm just going to speak this because I know a lot of churches, a lot of people believe this. You can lose your salvation. You cannot. That means Jesus's blood wasn't enough. That means if you walk away from the Lord, that the angel can scrap that name right off that page. And I talked about this a little while ago. And that can't happen because, first of all, none seek the Lord. There's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, Romans says that. And so if we can't save ourselves, and it has to be God that saves us, then how can we, how can we walk away from somebody that we could have never gone to in the first place? Right. Right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's ludicrous, and it brings fear. If you feel like you're in a relationship with somebody and they can walk out of the door at any time, that's not a good relationship. You're always right. kind of on the edge. Is, are they going to be home when I get home? Or are they going to be gone? That's no way. To, and anybody out there who's been in a relationship, you know that's true. So mm-hmm. why not so with our Lord? He wants us to have a secure relationship with him. So when we pray to him, we know he, he hears us. Because we know we're saved, and we know no matter how we mess up on this earth and do the stupid stuff every single day, or maybe at least a few times a week, that we're still saved. You can walk away from the fellowship of the Lord and, and blessings in your life, but you can't walk away from him. Mm-hmm. And and matter of fact, I believe that so strongly, and I've used this before, I think, Dave, so stop me if I have... But imagine a large circle, let's just say the circle's, you know, 20 feet in diameter, a big 20-foot circle. And when you get saved, you're right in the middle of that circle. You're like a little dot in the middle of that circle. And that circle 
inside that circle, the closer you are to the middle of that circle, the closer you are to the Lord. So if you're in the bullseye, you're right with the Lord. You're walking in the spirit. You're doing you're doing everything that God wants you to do, and you're blessed. Mm-hmm. But you start walking out from that circle, going toward the edge to start exploring. Well, I wonder what this is like. Hey, I could try this, try that. You start walking away, not from the Lord and salvation, but you start walking away from the blessings of the Lord. You start right. walking into territory where you're going to get yourself in trouble. But what's really mm-hmm. cool, about this, and this is what I, I love about the Lord, there's actually a song out there, and some of you probably don't remember this person. <laughs> it's been years, but his name is Rich Mullins. Right. 70s and 80s, and he sings a song about this very thing. And you get right to the edge of that circle. Your life is like, I, I've had it. I'm, I can't do this life anymore. And if you're a believer, a true believer, he will reach out. He will reach out to the edge of that circle, and he will pull you back to the center, kicking mm-hmm. and screaming willingly. But there, each of us have a circle in our life. I don't even like using an analogy, but we have a limit that God will let us stray. He won't let us go beyond that limit. I call it a leash. Right. He'll do yeah. either two things. He'll give you time to repent and come back to him, or he will take you home. Right. There are people that he's taken home in the scriptures. Talks about mm-hmm. in the book of Acts. And so, but either way, he's he's you belong to him. We belong to him. So... In the book of life, your name is written in that book. There's nothing on this earth, in heaven, in any other dimension under the earth, in the seas. There's nothing that can rip your name out of that book. So I have confidence tonight. When you pray to God, whether you feel it like it or not, he hears you talking. Mm-hmm. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, all-seeing, all-knowing. He sees and knows everything about you. He already knows what you've done. He already knows. Just tell him what he already knows. It's like your kid who you caught stealing something and you caught him red-handed. You just want him to admit what you already know, and it'll be okay because God's a good father. And so mm-hmm. now the book of the book that we have called the Bible is it a book of life? Um, only I think when we get to heaven, we're only going to really know how extensive this book is really that we have. I know one thing. There's no other book in the world that's ever been like this. It's the most read, most published book in history of any right. book. And I know because uh, I've done deliver- deliverances with people demonically and Dave and uh, I know has done some that when you read scriptures to people that are in that state, the enemy hates it. It's like fingers down a chalkboard. They hate it. Why? You can read a dictionary to them. You can read them in Time Magazine. It means nothing to them. It doesn't do anything. You read a scripture, John 3.16, or you do something like that. They just they hate it. Why? Because it's truth. Man right. is not truthful. In our best books that we have, and there's some really good ones, they're not, it's, I'm not saying they're not truthful, but they're not written by God as the author through man. And so the very words of the book, of the Bible, are literally, literally God speaking to us. Somebody says, well, God doesn't speak to me. He doesn't speak to me at all. I never hear him. I pray and I do this and I do that and I fast. He's got a book. It's probably right by your bedside. Pick it up. Start reading it. He will speak to you. If you're a believer, 
he will speak to you. If you're a believer in sin, in your heart is heart, he will speak to you. If you're unsaved, he will speak to you. He will speak to anybody who will listen. Yeah. He will speak through, he will speak through this book. And there's, there's power in this book. Um, I've seen it where people have put this book on top of other people who've been demonically oppressed. And they've screamed like they're being burned to death from this book. Not physically, but the demonic. So now going from that part, let's go into actually the book. This book is a science book. This book is a sociology book. This book is a medical book. This book is a history book. This book is everything of all the books into one book. Uh, Columbus, knew, Columbus knew that the world wasn't flat. Why? Because he knew what the scripture said. He knew that in the Psalms and Proverbs that there was a roundness to the earth. It talks about the roundness of, of the world. He knew mm-hmm. these things. And that's why he knew he wasn't going to fall off the flat earth. He knew it was fake. Um, there's, uh, gosh, there's, there's just things, it's just hard to explain, but um, in the first seven, I was going to look it up tonight and do it for you folks. I actually got it from Chuck Missler. Dave, you might know this. But the first seven names from Adam, the first seven generations of Adam, you take all their names, look it up in the group, the, I think it's the Greek or the Hebrew, it spells out the gospel. Right. It's gospel. Um, yeah. Is that an accident? There's no other book that can do that. Is that an accident? Mm-hmm. No. A super being called God the Father who loves us wrote this book. And is this the book of life? I don't, as far as I see in scripture, there's a book of life in heaven. But I don't see this as the book of life, but it could be. When we get to heaven, we'll find out. But I know what it is. It's the the book book of life. Life. Mm -hmm. How to live. You want to know how to live as a believer. Follow this book. This is our um, you buy a brand new car and you get the owner's manual. This is the owner's manual. When you first get saved, actually, it shouldn't be just when you first get saved. As long as you're a believer living and breathing air, we should be taking in the scriptures. Do we have to study it like a theologian? No, because some people can't do that. It's just too much time. You're working. But read something. Take a book, take the Psalms, take Gospel of John, take Genesis, take something and just read it. And don't read it to say in your brain, well, I got my chapter in today. That's not going to do anything. You're just, it's just works. Read it because you just calm yourself down, take some quiet time and just find something and read it. And before you read it, I do sometimes, I should do more. I just put my hand on the on the scripture and I say, God, show me what you, what manna, what food you have for me today to eat. And then start reading. Almost mm-hmm. every single time, it's like he's speaking right to me that day for my circumstances. So, exactly. the book of life, so there's a book of life in heaven, for sure. We know that. Is this, it doesn't say for sure, but I know it's a book of life on how to live a life. Pleasing mm-hmm. to God. And that's why um, the far left, the communist left of our country, the people that hate the Lord are trying to get rid of the scriptures. And we talked earlier in the podcast about um, 
the new law they're trying to pass the uh, equality. Is that it, David? Equality? Yeah, the Equality Act. Yeah, why don't you go into that? Because this is a perfect segue. Okay, the Equality Act is, and folks, this is happening as we speak. Uh, the House of Representatives, I think it was today, passed the Equality Act. It's inside the $2 trillion uh, stimulus package, which is a lie. It's all going to go to the states, to be able to states out, most of it. Um, but in there is the Equality Act. And what it's going to do, if it passes this in the Senate, and that's why if you're listening to this tonight, pray, 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 call your congressman, senator, not to vote for this and pray against this, because this one bill will do more damage to our religious freedoms than anything they've done so far. And so basically, this bill will make it for any religion, especially Christianity. And say your pastor is speaking about Sodom and Gomorrah, and I guess in Genesis, and he's talking about that time in history, what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, the name itself tells you what was going on, and it, it was homosexuality. It was rampant in those cities, and God destroyed those cities because of, of that sin. That's what the scripture says. Mm -hmm. If this passes, what I just said could be against the law. It could be against the law, what I just said, a week from now. And if you're, yeah. if, if your pastor or you're in your synagogue, your rabbi teaches this, they could be uh, fined, thrown in jail or, or something because of this, mm -hmm. because of this one law. Yeah, freedom of religion, forget, forget uh, our constitutional rights, folks. They're, they're actually finding loopholes on how to get around these rights by passing these stupid controlling laws, like the lockdown laws. Uh, not even laws. Those are even laws. Excuse me. Those are just lockdowns. Those are just one guy. Mandates. Yeah. Mandates. They don't mean really anything. But this bill, this Equality Act, is no such thing as equality. It's basically they're going to use as a tool to clamp down on us, on believers. And they're going to clamp down hard. They will want to shut us down. And the reason I brought this up, which, Dave, is a good idea. I brought this up. Thanks, Dave. Is that this is another way to get rid of the Bible completely. And, I, you know, I never thought I would say this. You know, in World War II, uh, Hitler had all the books burned, including the Bibles. Right? Isn't that right, Dave? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I thought, who would want to burn a Bible? Even, even unsaved people have, you know, respect for the Bible. But you know what? We saw what respect did this last summer with our cities being rioted and looted. They didn't respect anything. And right. so they're going to use this law eventually to get rid of our Bibles, to get rid of our churches, to make it illegal to preach the gospel, illegal to even meet together. If we say something against the state or against the law, we'll be persecuted. This is the beginning. This really is the beginning. And it hasn't been talked enough online or on television or on the radio. Uh, I heard a little bit today. I think it was uh, Sebastian Gorka on the radio talked about it, maybe it was yesterday. But this is huge. Yes, and we're believers. Yes, the Lord's coming back. But um, we're not just to sleep and let stuff happen. You know, there's a time, I know the whole turn the cheek, and they hit you, if they want your coat, give them your coat. That's different. There's a time to stand up as a believer and say enough is enough. 
or we're not going to have anything to stand up for. And if you want to know where this is going, do some research and check out China because China's behind this. China is behind Biden. Biden's a puppet. So is the, his government. And this is going to be used by the government to take away our uh, freedom of religion. They're basically going to try to take our guns away, which they're doing now. And But it can be stopped. Enough people speak out. Enough people vote. Enough people start maybe running for offices that never thought they would run. If you're here tonight listening to me and you feel like you need to run for a local office, then do it. What do you got to lose? That's you know, true. do it. God's yeah. putting that in your heart and then do it. And your your brothers and sisters will back you up. If you line yourself up with the Lord and what he wants, you'll you'll do great. But it's to get rid of the Bible. It, the Bible, and why would they want to get rid of the Bible? Because Satan doesn't want God's word. Satan knows that Time Magazine means nothing to Satan. Um, the newspapers of this country, the, the New York Post and these different papers and all these this literature, all these movies and all the Star Wars movies and the superhero movies. Satan loves that. Why? Because it distracts us from our life with the Lord. Not that those are bad to watch. I've seen some of them. They're pretty good. But mm-hmm. it can kill you. Why? Because Satan doesn't want you to go into the scriptures and find out who you are. When he finds out, when the church finds out who they really are and what they really can do, Satan is shaking in his boots. There's an Old Testament scripture that says in the future that we're going to look at Satan and God's going to allow us to see him who he really is physically. And basically it says, paraphrasing, this is the one that caused all the trouble. This, like this thing here, this this thing here is the one that caused all the trouble. Mm -hmm. There's a scripture, I think it's in... Romans, it says, um, soon Satan, no, I'm looking for him, it's John, soon Satan will be crushed under your feet. You know, and Satan is seen as a serpent, you know, and right. it's in Genesis, it goes right back to Genesis, the serpent will bite the heel, but you will crush his head. And the crushing of the head in that scripture was Yeshua, when he rose from the grave, he crushed the, Satan's head. He took, ultimately, he can attack us, but he can't control us, because God owns us. So uh, I've said a lot just now, but the book of life, if you're saved, your name's written there. It can't be blotted out. Know that you're saved. You cannot lose it no matter what you've done, no matter what you feel. Mm-hmm. If you've done uh, and you've meant it, you're saved. That's it. Now that you're saved, believe it. And if you believe it, be encouraged. Don't self-doubt yourself. Don't be afraid to step out for God. Don't be afraid to live for the Lord, even if your family's not. Um, fear the Lord, not fear your family, not fear your job, not fear this. This this a COVID thing has brought a lot of fear. If you're a believer tonight and you're fearing this disease, don't. And I, I'm going to probably get flack for this, but it's a it is, and this goes for me. It's a fear. Fear is basically a sin to the Lord because. You're not trusting him. I'm not trusting him. We're, we're so locked into fear, you become paralyzed and you can't do anything in life because you're afraid. Actually, you're fear afraid. is the opposite of love. <laughs> you're right, Dave. That's a good point. Thank you. That's right. So yeah. don't be afraid. And if you are walking in fear, it's, it's sin. And we all do it. 
I'm not saying I'm either for anybody else I'm speaking. I, I'm afraid a lot. And and you know what you do those fears? It says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And perfect love, I think you just said, casts out all fear. What's that perfect love? It's Jesus, Yeshua, Mashiach. Because his love for you is perfect. And what do I mean by perfect? If you're in relationships, love ebbs and flows over time and years. Sometimes people love somebody because of something they want from that person. Or they love that person because it's a convenient time. Or they really love that person, but something happens in the that life of that relationship that causes one or the other um, to waver. But God, Jesus, will never waver in his love for us, ever. He doesn't give us anything that we have to do to make him love us more. All we have to do is just trust him. And if we don't trust him, you know what, folks? He still loves us. He's still going to pull you in. He's not going to let you go out of that circle. And your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life tonight. Even if you live to be, say, you live to be 100. What's 100 when you live forever? I mean, it sounds, like, well, it sounds like a fairy tale, what I just said, but it's absolutely true. We're, when you were born physically, actually, everybody who's born physically never is actually going to die. You're either going to live forever in hell or you're going to live forever in heaven. But you're going to live. Yeah. And a believer is going to live forever in heaven in God's presence with the saints, with the angels and all the Old Testament saints. And it's going to be wonderful. And and let's say we're, we've been here 100 years. I've been here 62 years. It feels like 100, but I've been here 62. <laughs> and I long to go to heaven, not because, because just because I know it's going to be so much more than it's here. Not that I want to take my life. But I just long for that day to see the Lord, to set this whole thing in motion to get out of here. But if you've been there 100 years, you have just gotten started. There's a song called Amazing Grace. You've been there 10,000 years. You've just begun. So, I mean, we're never not going to exist. And matter of fact, we're going to exist in heaven. And we're going to have bodies. We're going to be able to walk around. We're going to see family members that have gone before us. I believe there's physical homes there, I believe, yeah. this my opinion, that there's lakes and there's oceans and there's rivers. I know there's a river that talks about it in Revelation chapter 22 and mm-hmm. so um, and 21. So it's a physical place. So I'm saying all this tonight, folks, if you know the Lord, be of good cheer, be of good heart. Biden in his administration is only for a speck of time compared to how long we're going to be around. Pray for those who don't know you, know the Lord because their, their destiny could be changed tomorrow. They could be gone tomorrow. We could be gone tomorrow, but we know where we're going. And your mm-hmm. name's written in that book. And this other book, the Bible, read it. Because it is a book of life. It is a book on how to live here and how to survive here. And how to handle money. It's, a, it's an awesome book on how to handle money. Read the proverb. Read, look, do a word search on money and how we're supposed to deal with our money and debt. I mean... How to raise kids? It's all in there. So anyway, Dave, mm-hmm. it's back well, to you. Yeah, I've got a question for you about the Revelation uh, scripture that you read, and um, <clears throat> I find something strange about it. Uh, Twenty-one, twenty-seven. 
And um, <clears throat> now supposedly this is the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, the, every, all the bad people have been thrown into the lake of fire, you know, they along with Satan. And um, there's only saints that live, um, according to what, you know, my eschatology, um, what I've learned. Okay. But it says in that chat, in that verse, it says, and there shall in no wise enter it anything that defileth. Well, why would there be? Because there's nothing left, right? Um, uh, Neither worketh abomination or maketh a lie. And then there's a colon, which means we're starting in, you know, kind of a change of thought here. But Mm -hmm. they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So if everything that everyone that made a lie or worked in abomination or defiled, um, technically they don't exist. Now, is this the Bible just saying that this is a reassurance or is it talking about maybe a group of people that were written in, in the Lamb's book of life were predestined but um, just didn't quite get it right when they lived on earth. Um, but they, because um, it doesn't mention murder, it doesn't mention um, anything like that. Um, it does say worketh work abomination. Um, so are there, my question is, do you get out of that that that's just saying that, um, that there's not going to be those kind of people around? Or is it saying that, there are there may be some people that were written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but never quite got their walk with the with the Lord down pat, so that they were totally holy, um, but are there, but they just can't enter the city or or the New Jerusalem. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I, yeah, I see your point. I I take it as. Um there's all through the scriptures, including the Old Testament in the New, it talks about the righteous ones of God. And in the Old, because I read it today in the Old Testament. And so we're righteous, and what makes us righteous is the blood of the Lamb. In right. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb. And who are these overcomers? So it doesn't say anything about, um, about their life. It just says they overcame the blood by the blood of the Lamb. So, right. Oh, and just like the thief on the cross that day, he was not a righteous man. He was a thief. He went to heaven on that day. So right. I take this as it works. Got to remember now we're at the end of time, basically, not the end of time, but the beginning of a new new time. Right. And so the earth, Jesus has already come back. The tribulations already happened. Uh, the second coming has already happened, and now the new Jerusalem's coming down out of heaven, and he's setting up his kingdom. So. I believe that's just he's making a point there saying like he did in chapter the earlier passage about the book of life and the books of life. The other books is that he's making a point that nothing unclean can come in here that like we our cities now are full of uncleanness. Right. 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 So he's making a point that sin is gone for good Mm -hmm. and the corruption of man is gone for good. And that only thing that can, is going to come in this city are righteous, holy people. Um, and if he kept out people, believers who were not living according to the scripture, like really like backslidden, it'd be right. a lot. It'd, it'd be a lot of us wouldn't be going. 
But mm-hmm. uh, it says this in Ephesians 2.8, it says it's not by works, it's by grace that we're saved through faith right. in Jesus Christ. So I believe he's just reminding us there that this city is a holy place. Mm-hmm. It's a safe place and nothing unclean will come in ever to harm you. Nothing. Right. I mean, no thief can come in. No murderer can come in. No war, no cancer, nothing can come in here. Only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So he's reminding us again what he's doing and why he did it and that it's a safe place for believers. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was looking here. Um, uh, uh, fine. Let's just shoot. Um, he was only still keeping. Um, and it, it, it's talking about the city now. It's, this is talking about the same city, but it's chapter 22, verse 14. It says, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life. They may enter by the gates into the city. And outside of the city are the dogs, the, uh, are the dogs and the sorcerers. The word sorcerer here is another word for, for pharmakia, which is another word for drugs. Mm-hmm. And moral persons and the murderers and the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices lying. And... And it goes in, Jesus speaks, uh, I've sent my angel to testify to these things for the church. So he's speaking to the church, and I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let those who hear say, come, and let those who is thirsty, let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. That means to be saved and to testify, to hear the words of this prophecy of this book. And then it goes on uh, about if anybody adds to this book, that's another story. So oh, yeah. That's another, actually, that's another whole two hours. Um, so he says right here in verse 15, the dogs, sorcerers, murderers, I don't, the love practice of the lie are not going to be in the city. He's saying it again. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right. The word washing also means immersed. It's a, what he's saying here, wash their robes in what? The blood of the lamb. In the blood of the lamb. Mm-hmm. The lamb. And, and it's amazing, even though God's the father, obviously he's the father and Jesus is son. If, you have, if there's a pecking order, father, son, spirit. I don't even want to say that because they're all one. But in chapter five of this book, I think it's yeah, chapter five or six, God the Father is holding a scroll in his hand, and John's crying because there's nobody worthy to open the scroll. They want right. to open the scroll. It's got seven seals on it, in which the seven mm-hmm. seals start the tribulation. But it says, but it says there's a, a lamb standing, uh, standing there, being, uh, as though it's been slain. Right. Bloody. But I believe it's Jesus' crucifixion marks. And mm-hmm. He's basically given the deeds to the earth and creation by the Father here. This is yours. You died for it. You did it for me. Here's the deed to the earth. Here, open it up. Start this. Let's get this going. At the end of it, right at the very end, Jesus says, don't even add to the book. Don't even add to this prophecy. It will be the plagues added to you. And matter of fact, these things here, again, are not allowed in the city murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. If you love and practice lying tonight, 
and you're not, and if you're a believer tonight and you practice these things and you don't feel bad about it, I mean, you don't have like feel guilt about it. You're not saved. Right. Only God knows your heart for sure. But he's saying right here, if you, you, who loves and practices these things are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. They're not going to enter the new Jerusalem. And if you love these things, you're a believer tonight, and you have no problem going around sleeping around with somebody, and you don't even feel guilty for it. I'm not saying believers don't do that, but anything like that, a believer is going to be convicted. He's going to feel like like horrible. If you don't even right. feel horrible, you don't know the Lord, and you need to reevaluate that you're saved or not. Mm-hmm. And that's just a little tidbit. I, I just went down that road because it's right there. So... I believe in the passage earlier, Dave, you talked about in 21 and now this one, God's just stating a plain fact that that home is for believers. The New Jerusalem is for believers. It's mm-hmm. our place. And it says in the earlier passage that the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. So that that obviously applies. There are governments on the earth still. So the right. government is not totally eliminated, but God runs it. And right. there will be kings and authorities over provinces of the earth, even at that time. And I don't know how they bring their glory into it, but they do. And mm-hmm. they bring their riches. I don't know how God does that. But that is our home for believers only. The New Jerusalem is for believers. It's being built for us right now. It's almost done. And it's going to give light and seasons on the earth. That's what it's going to do for a thousand years. And after mm-hmm. a thousand years is over, God's going to make a new heavens and new earth, and we can go into that. Now, who knows how that's going to be? I mean, but exactly. But I'm sorry, going off on this. I'm just going. No, off. no, no. I asked you a question. You answered. But basically, he's he's saying it twice in two passages to show us it's for us. It's not for unsaved people. Because in the earlier chapter, there's the great white throne judgment where he judges people, the Father does, that their names were not found in the book of life, they were cast into hell or the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. And they were judged according to their works on the earth. So right. that's like, there's two groups of people on the earth during the tribulation. There's people, they're, actually it's called, they're called people of the earth, mm-hmm. unsaved, and believers. Well, this is my opinion. And I know there's a lot of different opinions. The rapture happens, takes the church away, which is the believers that are alive right now. All the dead are raised. We all go up to heaven together to meet the Lord in the air during the rapture. And I don't know when that's going to be. It could be any time. Nothing mm-hmm. has to happen scripturally for that to happen. It can happen any time. Right. Sometime after that, I'm a few weeks or a few months. We don't know. I think it's at least a few weeks to a month that the earth will go into chaos because of that event. It'll be like the movie um, Avengers Endgame. Avengers, uh, you guys have seen that. Basically, everybody just disappears. Half the, half the population of the universe just disappears because of um, this evil Thanos. Well, this person is not evil. His name is Lord Jesus. is Yeshua HaMashiach. He comes and takes the church away. There's a period of time of quiet, of not quiet, of of chaos, excuse me. And then the Antichrist, uh, who I believe is alive right now, behind the scenes, signs a peace treaty with Israel and its many neighbors, the covenant, for seven for seven days or a week. They call it a week. 
in the scriptures, and which is seven years. And, right. And then all hell breaks loose for those seven years. The first half's bad, but the second half is cranked up really bad. And then after that is the Battle of Armageddon at the end of the seven years in chapter 19, verses uh, 11 to 18, I think. And Jesus comes back, wipes out the armies of the world that are attacking in the Middle East, attacking Israel. They all converge on Israel. And that's a horrible battle, horrible. Uh, even the Bible says there's nothing ever going to been like that and never will be again like that battle. That's and right. And the Lord wins, obviously. It doesn't take him long. He just says, I win. Is <laughs> that basically what he does? And we will come back with him, I believe. We've already been in heaven for seven years, getting married to Jesus, having the lambs, um, the, uh, the supper of the lamb, the marriage ceremony for the church, the worship service. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Um, and then we come back with him. We see him do this. He sets up his kingdom. But there's a period of time, I think it's in Isaiah, um, could be wrong on that, that he takes a week or two or three to remodel the earth. God literally has to fix the earth from what happened for seven years. And then the millennium at some point, and that's the thousand-year reign of the Lord. And he says he rules the nations with a rod of iron. And it's very interesting, folks, because if the Lord's ruling and everybody's a Christian that comes back, and everybody that is on the earth that survives that's a Christian stays. But the ones that survive that aren't Christians, he separates the sheep from the goats and he sends them to hell. I didn't write this. This is what the scripture says, folks. And a lot of churches mm -hmm. don't want to talk about this, but this is what it is. And so he does that and he says he rules the nations with a rod of iron. Why would you have to rule a rod of iron if everybody's a believer? That's Why would right. Why would you have to be so strict if it's so bliss and everything's perfect? Because there's no more, no more cancer. There's no more pollution. There's no more wars. Um, why? Because if you God, spare the rod, you spoil the child. Yeah. And I think why he does this is my opinion is he wants to prove to man for once and for all, including us, because it's in the scriptures that you ever say to yourself, if I had a, a better job, or I could give more to the church. If I, if I just had what my brother or sister has, well, no wonder they're happy. They got this. If I just had this, if I just had that, my life would be better. If I had a different wife, a different husband, a different job. I mean, if I just had this, if everything was just perfect, and isn't that what we try to do every day, try to make our life as perfect as we can? But right. the harder we try, the worse it gets. Mm -hmm. And, well, the reason... He says a lot of fire because during that millennial time, during that thousand years, these people that survived the tribulation that are believers that are living there have children. So there's procreation. And mm -hmm. these children have the opportunity to believe Jesus or not believe him. Even though they see him physically every day, they still have a sinful heart and they choose they can choose to believe him or not believe him. But the thing is, he rules with a rod of iron, so they have no choice. Right. He doesn't give them any slack. And this is actually in the scriptures. Um, uh, sorry, I got I to gotta look this up, but it's in the scripture. I think it's chapter 20. Dave, just bear with me. Um, come on, Brian. 
Um, Which book? Uh, it's uh, Revelation 20. Um, and it came up from the... Oh, yeah, okay. So he has a rule of the rod of iron to prove to mankind, even in a perfect environment, in a perfect situation, unless you have Jesus in your heart, you're still going to rebel. Because it says here... Um, Verse, starting at verse 7, chapter 20 of Revelation, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore, and they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and of the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever. The beloved city is Jerusalem. This isn't the new Jerusalem. There's still going to be a physical Jerusalem. And mm -hmm. so the saints are in the city. Does it mean we're living there? No, we're probably going back and forth, but there's a lot of believers in that city. It's a right. physical thing in the broad plane of the earth. So that shows you how the earth is going to change during that time. Because Israel, Jerusalem is up on a hill. When you leave Tel Aviv, you've got to drive up, 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 up to Jerusalem. Yeah. So this is a broad plane of the earth. So the earth, Jesus is going to remodel it. So who are these people? These are the children that were born to the people that survived the tribulation that were believers. And Satan was released, and he didn't have much work to do because it didn't take him long to deceive these people. These are not Christians. These are people that were born on the earth under a rule of Jesus himself with a rod of iron, and they had to submit. But there came a point that Jesus took that away and allowed them to be who they really are and allowed them to be deceived by Satan, and they came up and attacked the holy city. Why would they attack? Why didn't they attack New York? Or, or some other city, because that's the holy city. It's God's city. This is always about Satan versus God. It's, right. always, it's, it's That's what it's about, and we're caught in it because we are believers. And so mm -hmm. they come up to attack. It's the shortest battle in the Bible, and, and it says, and fire came down and devoured them. It lasted a few seconds, and it's mm -hmm. done. So I say all this is... We're believers, and we are written in the land's book of life. We have the book of life, which is the Bible, to live a life on this planet, pleasing to God, to help us, to give us guidance. And this is going to be our future. We're eventually, this is going to be over. We're going to be living in the new Jerusalem. Um, eventually, even after this, there's a new heavens, a new earth. Everything will be, all this stuff will be finally done. And... Uh, and it says a new heavens, a new earth where righteousness will dwell. What will it look like? I can't imagine. It's going to be unbelievable. It'll make Yosemite look like the city dump. And uh, <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. I mean, mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. sin, without corruption, without evil, there'll be, no, there'll be no more evil, no more sin nature, no more world system to distract us. We'll be, right. And we won't be robots. We're not robots. We're believers. We're we're gonna worship God because we want to worship Him. That's why yeah. we worship Him now because we want to. Mm -hmm. 
have to make us worship him. Even in our worst day, we, a song comes on the radio about the Lord. It goes right to your heart because that's who you are. It's food. Mm-hmm. So, um, so our future is great. But, folks, America, we're not to this point yet. The rapture hasn't happened. And America still might have some good years left in it. And I believe America was put here to bless Israel. And, and I believe the reason we were so we've been so successful as a nation that our laws and our founding fathers based everything on what the Bible says uh, and how to live. And now we're we're throwing the Bible out of schools, prayers out of school, out of the church, and we're going down the, we're going down the drain. And we. Can I, I am so glad you brought up the founding fathers because it reminded me of a letter that we received. And I want to address it on the air. Yeah, go for it. Um, we received a letter that talked about the founding fathers uh, basically calling us delusional because the founding fathers were really um, Masons. And he said, just look at how Washington, D.C. is laid out. Well, my answer to that is, um, yes, George Washington may quite have been a Mason. It's it's, it's pretty well-known fact. Um, but that doesn't mean everybody was. Just because one person was doesn't mean everybody was. Um, another thing is that w- the city of Washington, D.C. was not planned out until I think it was 1798 or something like that. And Washington commissioned somebody, a Frenchman, um, an architect named Ellen Font, I think is it's pronounced. And he was a Mason. Okay, so the founding fathers, and we're talking about uh, Benjamin Franklin, um, Thomas Paine, everybody we read about in um, history class when we were growing up, um, weren't necessarily Masons because George Washington was. Yeah, now George Washington had it laid out. He had the architect lay it out. And if you do look at Washington, D.C. from the air, you can see a lot of Masonic symbols. You can see the compass, and you can see the square. Um, you can, uh, you know, you can see a uh, an inverted star, you know, um, uh, a pentagram, basically, and right. things like that. But that was not until the late 1790s, early 1800s, when that I think the uh, the construction started in 1801. Um, so. To say that the founding fathers were all Masons is um, is really a stretch. You know, um, there might have been one or two, of course. I'm not going to dispute that. But um, when we say founding fathers, we mean the the Christians that were founding fathers, and and also the the um, the Minutemen. You could consider them founding fathers because they're the ones that fought for the foundation. <laughs> Um, really to help to build the foundation. Um, the farmers that went to church every Sunday um, and their wives, the um, <clears throat> the blacksmith and, and everybody else that lived in the cities that were God-fearing people, those were founding fathers and founding mothers and stuff like that. So to, to cast a whole group of people um, into um, one mold because of what one or two people did is is no different than casting all Jews as being evil and then incinerating them in the 1940s, or um, you know you, you pick your Holocaust. 
you know, or your or your per, your pogrom or whatever. Um, whenever you, that's bigotry in its worst form, when you start casting one group one group of people because of one or two did. Um, you know, we have um, uh, a bunch of people out there that are anti-Semitic. They they quote a book called The Protocols of the the Elders of Zion, which was actually written about the the royal family of Russia and not about the Jews, but it was it's been contorted for so many years that now it's it's purported to have been written about the Jews, about how they're trying to take over the world and everything like that. Um, boy, I'll tell you, if we're trying to take over the world, I'd like to know who those people are because I, you know, I'd like to have my car paid off and my house paid off and everything else. <laughs> And yeah. um, I'm not seeing any stipend come in every month, um, know. you know, and and it's just so wrong. And um, it's the same things that that are done to uh, blacks and and Hispanics and um, and back east. You know, we had everybody had a character trait. You know, the Italians were dumb. The, the Portuguese were dumb. The, the Germans were squareheads and stubborn. You know, the Polish were, you know, imbeciles, you know. Um, no, you can't cast every group of people, every person in a group according to what one or two are doing. So um, that's my answer to the person that said that the founding fathers are all, we're all Masons. First of all, we're taught in, um, in nursing school, you never use the word all and every. You never use every and all. Because those are terms that denote finality and um, and um, you know put put a sphere of uh, oneness to everything, you know. Um, and we do that when we argue with with other people, you know. Well, every time you say that, well, no, not every time, or or you do that all the time. No, don't mm-hmm. do it all the time, you know. So those are two words that should really be eliminated from from a lot of our. Uh, our speeches, you know, and in our talks with our uh, with our loved ones, and even those we, those we don't care with very uh, care about very much. But um, um, I see we're up against time, so I don't want to take too much more. But Brian, man, I, I'm so glad that you were here tonight, and that you're here every night because, man, you were like super prepared, <laughs> and <laughs> and and it was great. It was it was really nice to to get your take on things. I've always wondered about that scripture in Revelation, and I never knew, never thought about the other one that you mentioned. And um, yes, I can see them very well talking about it uh, metaphorically rather than physically, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and I'm glad because that, you know, I know that a lot of there might be some people out there that have read that scripture and go, well, you know, if there's whoremongers in in with the new around around the New Jerusalem. Um, then, you know, what's the sense of getting saved? <laughs> um, right. You know, so um, just helping to explain those few things really, I think, helped a lot of people tonight. Helped me. And um, you. oh, you're welcome. And um, so uh, we haven't decided on a subject. What was that one you were talking about earlier? Oh. Yeah, oh, all right. I- <laughs> you can't. You want me to remember something five minutes ago? Well, there was a couple of things that we talked about. It could be a whole radio show. Yeah. Um, um, the, oh, the, the new heavens and the new earth. 
Yeah. Um, it was that, I think that, um, uh, well, the judgment, the judgment seat, um, is the great right throne. Yeah. The judgment, or the judgment seat of Christ. That's another different thing. Oh, oh. and another thing is that, because um, I ran into this with a prior host that we had on here, uh, annihilationalism, uh, the, the thought that um, uh, God in his mercy will at some time take everybody that's in the lake of fire and destroy them because it's not merciful for them to be suffering for eternity. Um, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible mm-hmm. says that they're going to be suffering forever. So maybe we can delve into that too. Yeah. That would be a good idea. Um, that's, that's a heresy that's going around now. And, uh, and that's, you know, <laughs> there's heresies that deal with the beginning and with the end. Um, everything well, in the middle is kind of weird. Well, you know, everybody gets the blue ribbon now. Yeah, that's true, huh? Well, why not? Why not? Not everybody can suffer. There's no yeah. consequences. I mean, and and that's one of the points I was making tonight that the church, as the church world, at least in America, not all the churches, but a lot of them don't talk about what we're talking about because they don't want to scare people or freak people out. But folks, this is in the scriptures. And the reason Jesus came and died was to save us from, well, there's more than one reason, but the main, one of the main reasons Jesus came to save us from going to hell. Jesus talked about hell more than anybody in the scriptures was Jesus. Mm-hmm. He talked right. more about hell than he did heaven. And right. so he doesn't want people to go to hell in judgment. And so to ignore that part of scripture is to ignore the very message that Jesus came to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to be saved. So mankind will not go to hell, but have a personal relationship with God and be able to live with him forever. And that's the very thing that the church does not talk about anymore. They think it's so controversial. We can't talk about the book of Revelation. It's really hard to understand. It's actually not that hard if you take it literal. Right. You, uh, there's a little bit of work to it, but you, a lot of it's literal. There's going to be a literal mountain with fire in Revelation chapter 8, verse 8, is going to hit the ocean. That's mm-hmm. going to happen. It's called a meteor or asteroid. It's going to happen. It says it. That's literal. So... People get in trouble by taking things in scripture, watering them down, and just saying, oh, it's allegory, it doesn't really mean this, it doesn't really mean that. There's a real hell, there's a real heaven. You die without the Lord tonight, you're going to hell. But God mm-hmm. doesn't want you. He wants you to accept the Son as Savior. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and there's other things um, we can talk about, too, because there's a uh, I think it's heretical. There's um, something that talks about, uh, or someone that's talking about, the image of the beast. Um, yes, there will be a temple, but the image of the beast is going to be something that every person's going to have within them because the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, um, which makes no sense to me because it's only the temple of the Holy Spirit to those who are saved. You know, right. to everybody else, it may be a temple. It could be a temple to Moloch. It could be a temple to uh, Apollyon or whatever. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're, they're, that that one can be shot up pretty well. Um, and so maybe we should just um, 
next week, folks. We'll, we'll approach some of these um, heresies that are out there, and um, and we'll talk about um, hell being a real place and, and and things like that, like we've just been talking about. So, um, anyway, Brian, you I'm a little tired. You look like you're tired. I am. And, yeah. Uh, we both got things to do tomorrow. So, folks, we just want to thank you for uh, for joining in with us tonight. Um, if you're watching these two handsome men, we're going to be um, leaving in a second. Oh, is that prideful? Um, anyway, uh, we always enjoy being with our audience. And now that you can see us, you can kind of get an idea of uh, who's talking to you. And if you're listening by audio, uh, real quick. Um, you can get us on Podbean, you can get us on Spreaker, those are audio. Uh, video, you can get us on Rumble. Uh, YouTube's been taken down. I got to them before they got to us. Um, and there are very, various other uh, avenues you can listen to the radio show. Uh, Apple uh, has it on iTunes, and um, I think it's even on iHeartRadio. So um, there's lots of ways to listen if you're driving, lots of ways to watch if you're home. And you want uh, uh, some entertainment <laughs> video-wise? Uh, anyway, uh, you know, come, come see the freak show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just kidding, Brian. <laughs> These guys. 